Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast. I'm Lily. And I'm Kelsey. And this is Rhyme and Reason, a lyrical podcast. Thank you for joining us today in our discussion. Uh, Kelsey and I are... Well, we were English master students. Yes, we graduated. We gra- we've got that master's. We're masters locked now. and loaded. Yeah, we're secured. Even, we have degrees. We're educated. Yeah, yeah. So this podcast, um, Rhyme and Reason, is a podcast where we're going to attempt to close read some song lyrics mm-hmm. and or albums in their entirety. Yes, albums or, in their entirety. Yeah, mostly. I think mostly music. Yeah. Yeah. And we decided to begin this endeavor with an album that um, I discovered several months ago and then showed to Kelsey. Yes. And we both really loved it and found a lot of meaning in the lyrics. Yeah. Um, and we thought, why not record our... We've, we've had yeah. so many conversations about the lyrics and we thought, right. we, let's just, you know... Let's just save ourselves the trouble. Let's bring it to and the people. Let's bring it to the people. Let's give the people let's, what they don't know that they want, but let, they want. Let's put it on the books. Let's yeah. get this in history. Yeah. This is important. So that's what we're doing in this podcast. We're yes. going to take a look at the lyrics um, of The Battle at Gardens Gate mm-hmm. uh, by the band Greta Van Fleet. And we're going to close read from beginning to end. Yes. And so that the entirety of this sort of first chapter, if you will, of our podcast is going to be the Battle of Gardens Gate. Yes. And then I guess we'll kind of see, we'll see what happens. Right. And there we go from there. Yeah. Before we begin, there are a couple of things that we want to get out of the way, um, straight out of the Garden Gate, if you will. Yeah. And uh, the first thing is defining what close reading is, because that's what we're going to be doing. Right. And so if we don't have the foundational understanding of what the primary action of our podcast, the, the main substance is, then everything's yeah. for naught, right? So close reading is basically reading any sort of text. Usually it's a literary text in this case. For us, it's going to be an album that we are reading as a text um, and paying specific and sustained attention to the words on the page rather than, you know, analyzing um, any sort of like biographical information or historical context or cultural context. Uh, While those can all be like really helpful points of discussion, our interest is really just paying attention to the words on the page and staying there and camping there and figuring out what it might mean and the many possibilities of its um uh what's that word it's like interpretive interpretive meetings yeah yeah yeah. um so this is uh, a lyric podcast we're talking about lyrics and so we want to make you know reference to lyric poetry Mm -hmm. um i'll I'll let kelsey say yeah so we in grad school we both took a lyric poetry class which we just adored Mm -hmm. it was wonderful but Kind of the the difficult thing about trying to nail down what lyric poetry is, is that it's kind of indefinable, but mm. um, I think a helpful groundwork to lay for the podcast and for the, the, next, um, the next couple of episodes, it, we can refer to, uh, is he a theorist, Von Hallberg, or is he a poet, I think poetry he's a, critic? A th- maybe both. We'll say the liter- literary poetry critic and theorist Robert von Hallberg, um, where according to him, he defines poetry as like its objection is to encourage as well as tell truths. Um, but before there's any sort of encouragement or affirmation that poetry, specific orphic or lyrical poetry, begins in loss. And I think we'll talk about later what sort of specific resonance that definition has for heat above, because mm-hmm. um, it's quite pointed yes. and, and, and relevant. Yes. Um, but in the way that lyric poetry is indefinable, that's also the point of the podcast. Like, we're not endeavoring <laughs> on this to 
land on any sort of firm interpretive meanings, but rather to like explore the possibilities of what these songs could mean. Um, Because there's no possible way that we can, there's one like authoritative meaning behind a song or a a poem or a text of any sorts, really. Yeah. I I think trying to land on one, uh, like one authoritative interpretation is not only like kind of impossible right i think it's like it's kind of useless for any sort of uh analysis for us because it's it's not the fun isn't isn't in like coming up with an answer right it's about asking the questions right and seeing what kind of answers come up right and throwing out possibilities that you can you can i can't tell you how many times we've said something and then go go immediately like no I don't think I agree with that um yeah it's like trying on new ideas Mm -hmm. um and like it's a point of art yeah anybody sets out to know the one true meaning of a piece of art like you've you've already failed before you've even begun because that's not the point it's an exploratory process of it all you have to come to it really open yeah like you said with more questions than answers which really is i think upon the first recording of this (laughs) we had so many more questions Mm -hmm. after recording the first is just a little tidbit the first recording that we ever did for this podcast is a giant steaming mess it's 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 garbage well okay that was that's fairly harsh but it's um it's the manure pile that will fertilize the podcast. The garden. The garden. Oh, my God. Yes. It's the pile of manure that will fertilize the garden of this podcast. Yes. And the, you know, it's, you got to start from somewhere. Yeah. So. Okay. We can turn anything around. Yeah. So I can silver line anything. Exactly. Anything. So here we are. Yeah. Here, here we, we are. are. And this is what we're doing. So now that we have that out of the way. Yeah. We're going to begin with, obviously, the first song on the album heat above yeah and before we kind of get into the lyrics themselves we're just gonna kind of summarize our general thoughts on the song as a whole Mm -hmm. and sort of like how it makes us feel what what's the vibe kind of like sussing out this is the personal initial reactions as opposed to like hard-hitting literary discussion yes exactly yeah um it's kind of like a very radiant song it's about unity and passion and resilience um as kelsey like kind of immediately noted it's got a lot of anthropogenic undertones which we'll discuss more Mm -hmm. later kind of like explain that for anybody who's um unfamiliar with the anthropocene yeah exactly Mm -hmm. um it's hopeful but it also acknowledges a lot of modern and planetary and historical challenges right. that the world faces. It kind of defies like historical categorization, right? Yeah. Because it's so modern about with like anthropogenic climate, you know, the climate crisis and those very modern problems mixed in with ancient problems like mm-hmm. war mm. and um, like famine mm-hmm. i don't know they fire don't, fire mm-hmm. these really kind of archaic ancient mm-hmm. things that we've always had to deal with i think the like the while we're kind of on this the images of fire and water also seem like it's kind of like very primitive kind of like very like at the core of right. human experience and human existence which also sort of has this like archaic ancient quality right you know yeah. Um, Back to the basics. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and you were saying you kind of feel like it came out at the like at the right time as oh, we're like yeah. sort of in this like time. Yeah, of turmoil. in the in the midst of a pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, after a challenging year, and um, you know, I started listening to it and during the midst of a, a challenging year <laughs> for I think not just for me but pretty much for everybody, um, it just struck a chord mm-hmm. if you will mm-hmm. um where it really planted a seed it really planted where if you know what i mean a garden could grow <laughs> yeah. if we catch my drift yeah <laughs> <laughs> where it you know it's it like again back to the von Hallberg definition of poetry 
like you can't have hope without you know starting at a place of loss or sort of acknowledging the loss Mm -hmm. or the sorrow or any sort of hardship that has been experienced because Mm -hmm. without the darkness you can't have the hope or the light yeah um and so i i found this as like a very grounded um realistic hope hopeful song because it didn't ignore what's going on it actually it acknowledges everything quite clearly and plainly Mm -hmm. and in spite of that still pursues hope yeah which i i appreciate and it's a it's a good reminder too I think that that's very, like, it reminds me of a lot of, like, Rilke, like, Son of Starfies, which we've right. discussed a lot, but, like, the idea of, like, you know, praising and sort of how that comes through in the album and, and even in Heat Above, maybe, um, but it it begins in sorrow and it, like, sort of looks out and, right. and, and searches for hope and for an, an opportunity to praise and... Um, you know, find find some kind of strength and resilience right. and, and things like that. All right, let's turn our attention now to the lyrics itself, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to go, we're going to just read through it. I'm just going to read through it. Sorrows of the earth, may our tears of rain wash down to bathe you. This is what life is worth when the fires still burn in rage all around. Can you hear that dreadful sound, fire still burning on the ground? Follow the fearsome sound as they march to battle, hear the drums pound. We do not fight for war, but to save the lives of those who do so. Can you hear that dreadful sound, fire still burning on the ground? Can you feel my love, rising with the heat above? Life's the story of ascending to the stars as one. Marching across the land is a peaceful army joining the band, walking hand in hand, to an anthem loudly sung where they stand. Can you hear that dreadful sound? Fire still burning on the ground. Can you feel my love rising with the heat above? Life's the story of ascending to the stars as one. There you have it. That's it. As we discuss this song, we're probably going to refer to it as a poem because that's essentially how we're treating it. Um, And... It's interesting to note, like, right off the bat, that in the lyric book that accompanies the album, Mm -hmm. the lines are broken up using slashes, which is how uh, line breaks in poetry are notated. So it kind of, like, it kind of is formatted in a a poetic way. Really, the only difference, because so many, you know, for a long history, poems were often set to music Mm -hmm. and really the only difference between a poem and a song is the performance style right like you could easily sing a poem and yeah I mean that's it the only the only difference is how how you say it how you speak sing it yeah which I think is I guess I mm, never mind but that being (laughs) but that being said it's also um relevant to note that the lyrics are not punctuated, right? Because, because like I said, in the in the lyric book, uh, the line breaks are notated with a slash. So there's no punctuation to like sort of define the sentences. Although I think it's pretty obvious where the sentences end and begin. It, and we feel like the the song starts in meteorites. Yeah, I mean we've talked about the the cinematic quality, yeah. right? Where you know, when they're talking about this um, this army that's marching across the land, it sounds like it. It sounds like you're describing um, an establishing shot, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, you know, it's a long shot, probably wide angle, where yeah. you're looking at at the the landscape. You're getting a feel for the scene. You're getting an understanding of what's around. Mm-hmm. Wh- what world are we inhabiting? Mm-hmm. Um, who are the the people living in it? And then, like in an establishing shot where it moves to like a medium shot, you're getting closer onto the people and seeing yeah. what's going on with them, and then what's what what's the expression on their face? Yeah, um, it's it's exposing what who we're encountering, 
in in what conditions they're living in. Yes. Um, by showing rather than telling, which I, I think is hard to do yeah. with words. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's That's a really... Because nobody likes the exposition of a movie where they're like, this is the character and they're really upset. Yeah. Because uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know? It's much more complex if you're giving the description of how they're navigating this landscape and whether they're weathered and beaten down. And in the same hand, but that sort of being done in a song is also, I think, probably challenging. Because, right. for example, in a book where you're establishing the the scene or um, the setting, mm-hmm. you have, pages. theoretically, yeah, you have as many pages as you want to right. do that. Um, you can be as descriptive as you want, but in a song, I mean, you only have a couple of minutes. Yeah. And you have <laughs> certain, like, rhythmic confines mm-hmm. and, like, um, lyrical, like, whether you're going to, whatever your rhyming pattern is. Yeah. Like, there's all of these confinements that you kind of have to play yeah. in between. You have to contend with the... With the drums and the guitar right. and the organ and the, you know, all these other instruments, too, that, right. like, are competing sometimes for a voice, yeah too, which kind of adds to, like, these layers of complexity that you talked about before. Right. Um, and a couple other things we want to mention right off the bat, uh, that this, this, the song sort of sets up the narrative direction or the narrative arc of the mm-hmm. rest of the album, and also it, it changes point of view interestingly yeah this is this is i love pov Mm -hmm. if you want to really that's one of the first things if i'm analyzing something i'll pay attention to what what is the point of view um and why (laughs) because the point of view is also in relation to us like obviously we're the recipients of this information but are they talking directly to us Mm -hmm. are they um referencing themselves so with that being said, we'll kind of move now into the first stanza, as we're calling it. Right. Um, which, I mean, theoretically, we've kind of made up where the stanzas should be. There, you know? yeah. I, verse, you could say the first verse. Yeah. But again, this, the song doesn't even follow a, a typical verse, yes. chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of rejects that. And yeah. It verse, verse course verse yeah anyway which we we we're gonna talk more about that but that's like kind of we've had to take a bit of a editorial yes uh, make make some editorial choices with with how we're breaking it up yeah so the first stanza begins with sorrows of the earth and then ends with fire still burning on the ground if you're if you're reading it and the poem Mm -hmm. begins with the word sorrows which establishes like right from the jump, it establishes loss. Right. Like Von Hallberg was telling us about. So this is what we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. right? Poetry has to begin in loss before it can ever get to any sort of affirmation or yes. encouragement. And this is exactly where the narrative voice, whatever it may be, situate, situates us. Sorrows of the earth. I mean, is is the earth personified? Is sorrows of the earth as like a planetary wide you know, humans are encompassed in that. Mm-hmm. We're not entirely certain, but we know that there's sadness. Yeah. Um, that's our that's our beginning point, is yes. sorrow. The refrainious questions that we see throughout the song are first established yeah. in this very first stanza. Mm-hmm. And this, the first stanza sort of sets up the imagery of the whole song. And, and it really centers our, our senses as the primary mode of experiencing and knowing like um for example um like hearing the dreadful sound feeling the fire burning obviously feeling heat um there's tears of you know a prayer sort of for these tears of rain which you know tears it's very like um sensual it's like sort of thing corporeal expression of sadness exactly exactly so it's very bodily yeah. in it's that the way. body's rain if you'll say Ex- if you'll exactly the bo- yeah it's yeah. the body's rain it's the body's rain <laughs> so we're like starting out very like bodily very personal kind of intimate um in, in the first stanza which is you know right 
it's a good place to start as we as we sort of like as the scope sort of changes throughout the song. Right. Well, and and going off of that too, if we look at the second line, um, tying that into the POV discussion that we've been having, um, may our tears of rain, mm-hmm. you know, the it's line. Collective. It's a collective sadness. Um, it's a collective expression of grief. Mm-hmm. Is it te- Is it actual tears? Is it rain? Is this the the earth talking? We're not entirely certain. Mm-hmm. Um, and wash. Okay, so mayor tears of rain wash down to bathe you. Who is the you? Mm. We don't really know. We don't know. Um, is the speaker speaking to the earth, or is it is the earth speaking to its people? Um, this is one of the moments where we kind of have more questions than answers. Right. Because just... the you doesn't feel like it's addressing the listener. Yeah. No, um, no, not at all. We're, we're, a, we're a third party mm-hmm. watching this sort of exchange. Exactly. Um, but I think despite whoever the you might be, I think it's clear that the opening kind of... We begin in the, in the terrestrial. Right. Begin on the earth. Mm-hmm. And it, like, I think it reveals the earth to be in a state of turmoil and dysfunction and you know with the, with the fires raging right there you know fires are burning it's not a pleasant scene right it's it's scary and what are the words we have dreadful yeah so um, when the fires still burn in rage all around yeah obviously rage is a verb that it's not a positive emotion. It's not a positive emotion, but it also describes the nature of the fire. So mm-hmm. it's kind of blurring the line between like human emotional experience, but then the natural experience of a fire that is uncontrollable and is going strong, um, regardless of whatever it's it's you know happening around Which, it. I think it's interesting that you say that because in some way I feel like that that highlights the interconnectedness mm-hmm. of humans and nature and and the things that we know as as human emotions can also be ascribed to like natural phenomena right and there's the same thing with tears of rain right you know it's it blurs the line between human like you said human emotion and natural phenomena which is in a way like kind of unifying i think well yeah it shows you know if the earth is in turmoil for obvious reasons, <laughs> we will be too because yeah. we will be the recipients of the Earth's turmoil. You know, if if our natural environment is is out of balance, then we're out we of are balance. too. Yeah, um, and, and vice versa. And vice versa. Yeah, um, when our when our the role that that humans play in the natural world is out of balance, we we inflict turmoil onto our right onto our earth yeah and i think that's like sort of the sentiment of the first stanza kind of beneath the surface right layer right um i think we also found it really interesting that the tears the tears of rain are used alongside the words wash and bathe mm-hmm. because washing and bathing they're both very uh, intimate acts, very mm-hmm. private acts, very right. um, cleansing, purifying acts. Right. Um, they imply when, water imagery, right? We, right? There's no, there's no actual water present besides right. tears, and yet there's very strong water imagery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through the through the verbs, the active verbs that are used, and if we're kind of adding that on to our discussion about sort of the earth's turmoil it maybe implies that the tears of rain will sort of purify or cleanse Mm -hmm. the earth of 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 its problems of its you know turmoil yeah they're a response to try to bring some sort of resolution exactly or relief Mm -hmm. um to a very which is again very interesting because it's an, it's our an bodies our bodies reaction to sadness is to bring relief through crying right and so in that way our human functions and it cl- are mimicked it through the purifies earth purifies your eyes too. exactly like it's again sort of 
suggesting this interconnectedness and similarity between human body human function and the sort of functioning of the earth and in that way aren't our bodies just little microcosms of the natural environment exactly see and that's the whole thing with the anthropocene oh did we ever describe the anthropocene no i think we get to it at the end though oh okay which maybe we should do it now okay so the anthropocene is essentially the idea that we have entered into this new geological age where human um, and human action is the the like animating force, the the most uh, powerful force that is changing the the planet. And there's, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there like there's like geological structures in the Earth that some point to as like I think you know so. there's like layers to the right. to the Earth, and there's like layers right. that contain like human. You know, human sediments and sediments like and yeah fo- right there's yes deep time yes yeah d- this whole idea of deep time um and so prior to i don't know 2004 we were we were what's in the holocene which there's yes. the the bon Iver album oh, entitled yes. holocene which would be yeah. really interesting mm-hmm. um to read that but prior to the anthropocene which is a hotly contested term that a lot of um eco-critics and environmental humanities people don't always agree on when it started, how it started. There's a lot of issue taken with um, who it, who is the primary group of humans that are responsible to the, to the changes that we have inflicted on the earth because we are not all um, (laughs) equal in what we have contributed to, to the climate crisis. And for some people, the term the Anthropocene kind of glosses over that. Nevertheless, it, it it's a succinct term that at least expresses the idea that um, humans are the like animating force of climate change and, and climate crisis and that we are the ones inflicting the most change onto our yeah. planet. Um, so that, that sort of might be helpful for those of you who aren't familiar with the Anthropocene. Right. And, we'll and provide more reso- resources in the you know, the, the notes the, yeah the notes in yeah. case anybody wants to read about it yeah because it'd be a way too long of a conversation if we yeah. went into much more depth about that oh yeah but it's helpful uh distinction and definition to have as right. we continue our discussion right um because i think we're gonna move on to stanza two stanza two yeah which is not the chorus. I thought it was the chorus. We're going to move no, to stanza two. Again, defies expectation. Yeah. Because you think it would be the chorus. And it's not. I was expecting the chorus. Even though I've written these notes, I've heard the song a million times. And I was like, ah, the chorus next. In- incorrect. <laughs> Wrong. Incorrect. Um, I, there's really, I feel like we, you know, we don't have much to say about stanza two other than. Battles, imagery, marching armies. Yes. There's a lot of. Um, militaristic yeah. images it's here. more man more like human focus yeah as opposed to like the natural imagery that we're getting in the first it'd be the natural and the sensory mm-hmm. um descriptions that we're getting it'd be interesting to trace that line of how mm-hmm. much this the song goes back and forth between right. like mankind right and nature right and how those things are balanced throughout right. the song because i think there's there's a balance mm-hmm. there's a balance being made um we also were you know a bit confused yeah. by the um the lines we do not fight for war but to save the lives of those who do so and again <sighs> like the sentiment is not confusing yeah it's the way that they phrase it though yeah um we pause more than we normally would. Yeah, we do not fight for war, but to save the lives of those who do so. Um, it makes sense, but it's the it's to save lives of those who do so because yeah. it's not. It, there's not a clear verb attached to those. Mm. Um, but again, we we can see that there's a, again a unified, a collective action. Yeah, we we do not fight. Um, that's where the point of view changes it's interesting that they're right they it starts off with like a negative it doesn't start off with an affirmative that's beside the point but this is where we're saying uh this point of view uh change occurs in this in this part of the song right do you which you want to read it out so it starts and i 
this is a helpful tip. We numbered our lines like yeah. you would in a poem. Um, so stanza two essentially starts with line seven and runs through uh, line 12. Line seven starts with, follow the fearsome sound as they march to battle, hear the drums pound. We do not fight for war, but to save the lives of those who do so. So like we mm-hmm. were talking about, there's the very apparent lack of um, uh, punctuation. Right. But line eight says, as they march to battle. So again, the POV is third person. Yeah. We're, you know, the narrative voice is describing what they see. This yeah. other group of people. It's like an is omniscient doing. voice. Yeah. It's sort of this omniscient um, narrator. Narrator. But then when it goes to nine, or line nine, I just want to put in quotation marks, but I don't, I don't know if that is. I would be adding to the text if I put them there. But to me, it makes sense if lines nine and ten, we do not fight for war, but to save the lives of those who do so, is being, is, is like a statement being said by the they that was referenced yeah. in the f- line seven. Yeah. Um, as opposed to... The point of view switching from a right. I and them to a we. Right. Because um, it, I mean, I guess it could. It could switch from third right. to first person, but it would make more sense if the third person is hearing this and then re- reporting it back to us. Yeah. Um, w- which kind of like aligns with later on in the song when we have um, almost like a song within a song. Yeah. Uh, like. Um, it's very meta. Yeah. Like we have, we have. In the last part of the song, the lines, um, they're walking hand in hand to an anthem loudly sung where they stand. Right. Which is a bit of songception. Songs. Because oh, we're not, because we're, <laughs> that's in the notes. I think you wrote that. Did I really? I think you might have. I just wanted Clearly. to say, we had to put it in there. Clearly I forgot. Well, like, it's like, um, they're singing the anthem, but we're not hearing the anthem. And just like, we're not hearing the drums pound either. Yeah. But we're hearing them reference. So there is like a, I think there is maybe a separation between them and the we, but it's kind of unclear. Yeah. So stanza two is just more exposition, basically. That's the gist of stanza two. So once we finally get to stanza three, yeah, which is the chorus, we have our first possessive pronoun um, where the narrative voice is asking whoever whomever Mm -hmm. can you feel my love rising with the heat above and so that possessive pronoun my establishes that there's there's something personal at stake Mm -hmm. right um there now we're seeing an actual interaction between the narrative voice between this omniscient this omniscient narrator and somebody in the song in the poem it's a very active position it is um, and the refrain of can you feel my love locates the human within and it, not apart from the natural world. Um, but it's also a question that awaits affirmation mm-hmm. and it, it longs for reciprocation. Um, it's a very uh, vulnerable yeah. and plain, clear question um, that really... I think we all want to ask. It doesn't. It doesn't beat around the garden bush. <laughs> no. You know. No, not one bit. It's a very selfless question. Yeah. Um. In in wanting to make sure that whoever the you is feels loved. Yeah. Instead of wanting to be loved. Be loved. It's very generous. Yeah. And very sweet. It's very yeah. sweet. I think. This sort of goes along with what you were just saying, because it's very, it is a very vulnerable question, and I sort of, like, I kind of feel like, can you feel my love? Feels almost like a, a very, like, childlike question, it kind of, like, has, it has an innocence to it, Mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, it feels like, you know, definitely a question that you would ask, like, a, a lover, and so, I think, maybe in a way that, it kind of speaks to an experience or a feeling that exists outside of, like, you know, linear time. It moves sort of between this childlike innocence and the very formidable weight of adulthood uh, that comes with being 
in a relationship or being a, a human existing in the Anthropocene, for example? Well, and paying more attention to the latter half of the question, the more descriptive, I mean, it's not a straight simile or metaphor, mm-hmm. but the the idea of the love rising with the heat above, we looked into what like the more scientific definition of heat is. In physics, heat is described or defined as a form of energy that arises from the random motion of the molecules of bodies, which may be transferred by conduction, convection, or radiation. So it really is this transference, this exchange of energy energy between two bodies, two things. Um, And so in that, there is this sort of um, reciprocity. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's the word. Like there's there's a give and a take. Which, um, between between the the love but also the physical heat of a fire. And I feel like that kind of mirrors really nicely what we were talking about earlier about the reciprocation and the relationship between humans and the earth. Right. As in you were saying like this sort of give and take, like what we give to the earth. Right. And what we take from the earth and vice versa. It's that's like a reciprocal relationship. There's right. an exchange of energy happening. Right. And I just feel like that. I feel like that kind of layer. It's it, I I like that it is it's carried through. And I song. think I don't know if they again part of close reading is not necessarily paying attention to the author or poet or. Mm-hmm in this case, the the musical artist's intention. Yeah. But I can't help but wonder if that was intended. I yeah. think it's almost so, like, the baseline understanding that we don't even think of it anymore. Yeah. But when Maybe you... Maybe subconsciously un- it right. was their intention. Yeah, but when you unpack it and you realize that heat, that this thing that sustains us as humans, right? We have to have fire. We have to have something to keep us warm. Um is really this beautiful exchange that we can't even see the exchange happening, mm-hmm. but we we can feel the effects of it. And I feel like that's so often um, how, relationally, how um, we feel the effects of love, right? Yeah. We can't see it. We can feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're sustained by it. Mm-hmm. And it's such a beautiful it is. idea. And love and fire and heat are so often images used in, in poetry and in literature. Right. Usually romantic context, but Mm -hmm. one thing that I've said over and over is I, regardless of this is, this is a romantic love or not, I like that it's not specifically or explicitly romantic because, yeah, um, I think that sometimes is too, while a powerful emotion, it it can, the, mm, how do I want to say it? I think it can be over glorified in a way that, um... Especially, I think, I, don't know. I, I think I know what you're trying to say, especially in the context of, like, if we're talking about climate crisis. Idealize. You don't, yeah, you don't want to romanticize right. the climate disaster that we're facing. Right. That seems like a very poor interpretation or right. a poor way of dealing with what's going on in and the world. And yet, how beautiful that love can exist in such right. traumatic conditions. Yeah. Um, because it has to. Yeah. Because wherever humans are there, hopefully is some form of love. And I think that's where a lot of the hope and resilience comes from in this song. Yeah. Because at the very end of this stanza, we have um, this sort of image of us ascending to the, to the stars as one. So we're right. sort of like, we start in the terrestrial, and here we're, we're ascending into celestial unity. And it's, it's beautifully done. It's beautifully said. So we're not entirely sure what they mean there. But again, that's not the point. Um, The main point is that we are looking and striving and working towards unity. Mm -hmm. We're looking to move beyond some sort of confines that are like some sort of we right. We associate the earth with some sort of confinement and limitation and we associate the cosmos or you know the heavens or the stars or space with freedom and yeah and 
you know, free, free of limitations, which is where we can be one with one another, where we can reach understanding and unity and peace. And I think, I think sometimes the fun of close reading is trying to discern what we might take literally and what we might take figuratively. Right. And this is sort of one of those moments where we could interpret it for its literal meaning or what, what its literal meaning might be. Right. Uh, as in or because, ascending to the stars as one yeah. in, in a spaceship uh, because the Earth is going to die and we're going to need to we just blast gotta off in a space. we got to get out of here. Yeah. Or it could be more figurative as in right. we our spirits ascend to the heavens when we pass on naturally in the beautiful in the course of life this right. is this is how it ends it's about entertaining those different associations that kind of constellate around yeah. certain yes images and symbols that we all subconsciously or culturally associate with those but then we kind of parse those out mm-hmm. um and that kind of brings us to stanza four. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and we noted how kind of strange it is, like how off balance the song is because of the structure, which you mentioned early on. But but despite the structural sort of imbalance that exists, it, it feels really balanced when you're listening to it. Uh, when you're reading it, it feels like it has a balance because of these returning points, these returning questions, which which sort of anchor the song. And as much as these sort of questions are points of return for us, so is this like militaristic imagery because we're getting again um, yes. more of the marching, more of this army. Um, and this time the army is specifically described as peaceful, which yeah. up until now we knew that there was hand-holding and there was singing but there was no explicit description of the the army in in question yeah until now yeah um so now we know that this is this is a peaceful army this is the disposition of the army this is they are not out to do harm Mm -hmm. they are not out to cause any sort of destruction or wreak havoc on anybody but they are there to establish peace and bring wholeness which um, in some sort of resolution. Seems like maybe, on the one hand, contradictory for an army to be peaceful because war is not often associated with peace right. or peacefulness or even like a peaceful endeavor. Right, but that's sometimes how it is achieved. Yeah. They don't They don't specify the means of fighting. Yeah. Um, maybe they're fighting with their anthem. <laughs> you can't see me, but it's I'm like doing a rock on. It's like a dance battle, but yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, like you know? a um, karaoke? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which that, the contradictory images there of like peacefulness in the army sort of also mimic the imbalance that I mentioned in the song. Right. And also the imbalance of fire and water and the imbalance that we see and that we face in reality between nat- natural and anthropogenic tensions you know humans versus the earth right and so while we don't have like lily was saying while we don't have this sort of structural balance of a typical song we have a lot of balance that comes through the contradictory images and the contradictory descriptions yeah um and in that way it really does bring a sort of uh unity between yeah between such um diametrically opposed things such as fire and water or yeah. or war and peace mm-hmm. um so i think i get you know balance is only achieved through oppositions right yeah so that brings us to the fifth and final stanza we made it song. we made it and it just it closes out with the same with the same refrain with the chorus right. Can you feel my love rising with the heat above? Life's the story of ascending to the stars as one. And that's that on that. And that's that on that. I mean, what more can be said? No, I'm just kidding. We have more to say. We have more to say. More questions. More questions, for sure. Is, yeah. So So many questions. It's kind of, it's kind of like, takes us to our conclusions. Our our, our concluding thoughts, really. And... 
again, we're thinking about like, what is, what does the ascension to the stars mean? Is it, as Kelsey was saying, is it a sort of escapism? Is it this idealized enlightenment? And I think for me, heat above feels in many ways like an awakening. It could be a spiritual awakening, a romantic awakening, an existential awakening, but I think it's both an anthem and an elegy, which we sort of talked about in, in the way that it frames loss at the very beginning. And I feel like it's sort of like a get up and a give up. It, it has like this, this dark side and this light side, which is also another balance mm-hmm. that we've we kind of touched on throughout. Um, it's sort of balancing and juggling all these different things to reach some sort of harmony. Right. So as I was listening to Heat Above, I was reminded of this chapter from a book that we read um, in our environmental humanities class. Yes. Um, The book was entitled An Ecotopian Lexicon. And this particular chapter was entitled Sila and was written by Janet Tamalek McGrath. And so McGrath writes about Sila, which is an Inuktut word um, that originates from the Inuit people, which is they're the indigenous people of the Arctic region. Um, so Sila references a multitude of, quote, interconnected concepts like the weather or the air and sky and the cosmos. Uh, McGrath specifically describes Sila um, as... Uh, as used to, quote, indicate the interconnection of all phenomena with an understanding that humans have a role in learning how to live in balance with their inner and outer environment, unquote. Um, She also describes Sila as, quote, a life force that's inside of all humans through its sacred movement, our breath, at the same time it's the source of all breath and life, unquote. Um, And in a lot of ways, this sort of unity, the sort of interconnection with our natural environment, the the idea that humans aren't aren't there's not the human world in the natural world, but that humans are a part of the natural world just as much as anything else. Yeah. Um, And this sort of connectedness through our breath, which is funny that, you know. Yeah. I mean, we so associate um, singing with like a deep understanding and control of breath yeah, um, and an expression of, of this sort of life force. Um, it also reminds me a lot of the term Selah, which if anybody's familiar with like the biblical Psalms or Proverbs, if you read those and you see this word Selah off to the side, um, it's kind of, uh, there's some, there's some discussion about what Sela might mean, but it's often thought to be a musical direction because the Psalms were, um, we read them now as poetry, but they were, again, often set to music. But Sela indicates that we're, we're supposed to take a pause and take a breath and reflect and meditate on mm. what we just, what we just sang or what we just read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just the fact that they are, you know, Sela and Sailor are so uh, audibly close and they're yeah. spelled similarly. But then also, I think it's a, an important moment to pause and, and think about our place um, in connection to other humans, in, in connection to our environment, yeah. and the role that we play in, um, in bettering the lives of other people and in bettering the world that we live in yeah i feel like in some ways that's sort of what this song is asking us to do right and maybe it is sort of like its own meditation on our place in the world and also not only our impact on the natural environment but our environment our natural environment's impact on us right and how those things are reciprocated and felt right um, and in and in in that personal meditation of what is my role and how do I affect those around me and the world around me, it's, it doesn't stay there. It doesn't stay in the, the individual. Yeah. It translates into the collective um, because we don't, we don't just want to focus on ourselves, you know, yeah. but we have to improve ourselves and do that self-reflection in order to improve the experience for everyone around us. Here's here's a little tidbit I was just thinking of. 
So when you listen to the song, the speaker, obviously, the person who's singing the song, is asking audibly, can you feel my love? So it's like they're asking us, right? Like, right. Um, or, you know, they're, they're asking the audience. When you're reading the poem, it's like the speaker of the poem, you know, the song, the poem, is asking the reader, can you feel my love? Or maybe, you know, a third party that's a part of the, of the song or the poem. But when we sing it, you know, when you as an individual, individual yeah. sing it, we're asking the question then. Right. And so it's sort of like... We become that yeah. unknown narrator. Yeah, and like we're kind of forced to question if our love, the love that we're giving to somebody else, to the planet, whatever, we're questioning if that love is, is being felt and kind of like the impact of that love, which I think can sometimes, it can be an, an effective way of making sense of how our actions are being right. received and and felt by another person or by the earth so it's i think it is in that way like a kind of a stop and a breath mm-hmm. and a reflection right we join yeah we join the narrator in that sentiment yeah. and we join if we're if, say if we're at a live performance we join everyone else who's singing it yeah which is really beautiful so the question is being asked individually but also corporately yeah. Which. It's another kind of balance between the individual and the collective. Right. Right. You can't have the corporate, the collective without the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we all, we all comprise it. We all play our part. And hopefully we exactly. play it well. That's the hope. That's the hope. We'd like to end our podcast this first episode. This first this, one. We did the, it! The debut episode. Oh my god, we did it. We did it. We did it. We're going to end with a section that we, we plan on ending every episode this way. And this is a little segment that we are going to call Let Me Down Easy. Let Me Down Easy. Which is where we compose, Kelsey and I collectively, but also as individuals, compose, <laughs> compose a limerick. Um, a limerick that is inspired by the content of the song lyrics that we just close read. Taking a lot of the same themes, word choices, imagery, and just basically turning it into a limerick, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You want to do the honors? Should I read it? All right. Yeah. They say hot air will rise, and the fire may be our demise. So let's go to the moon. Can you be there at noon? May the heat of our love harmonize. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we hope you enjoyed our limerick. And our fun discussion. This was it. Rhyme and reason. Rhyme and reason. Join us next time. We're going to talk about My My Way Way Soon. (laughs) And there'll be lots more to discuss. And that will be headed your way soon. (laughs) It'll be headed your way soon. So, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sticking with us. Happy 2022. Happy 2022. And as Rilke wrote in his letters to a young poet, um, and all success upon your way. Bye. That's their little episode blessing. Bye. Bye.